Great British Manufacturing Podcast, brought to you by MTD, MFG and Jefferson. Hello and welcome to the Great British Manufacturing Podcast. On this week's show, we will review the news from the last seven days and welcome a special guest, who is Will Butler Adams, the CEO of Brunton Bicycles, Britain's biggest bicycle maker. But before I do, I want to mention Factory Now. The Factory Now initiative has been launched to help British manufacturers boost sales, collaborate and reshore. New stories from new members are constantly hitting the site. This week, for example, Factory Now member MSC Industrial Supply, a premier distributor of metalworking and MRI supplies, has announced a new partnership with Colchester Machine Tools, bringing two of their machines into its recently opened technology centre. All this news and more can be found on mtdmfg.com forward slash factory now. Stuart, welcome. How are we doing? Yeah, very good, Joe. Over, uh, I think we've got about half a dozen new companies uh, to feature this week. So no Bentley Motors. So apologies uh, to, to our friends and crew. <laughs> Let's crack on. So workers commence at Swizzle's new factory in Cheshire. Yes, uh, GMI Construction started work on the new facility for the British confectionery manufacturer Swizzle Matlow, Magnitude in Middlewich, Cheshire, first phase of a site that could almost triple in size in time. Swizzle's, as we all know, best known for its popular love hearts, drumsticks and Parma violet sweets, is based in New Mills currently, where the factory employs upward of 600 people. Its new facility is expected to be completed by the end of this year, so I'm sure we'll be revisiting that um, in a few months' time. It'd be nice to get a tour, wouldn't it, with all those sweets? <laughs> Moving on, Cummings, massive company over here. Um, you know, they've got a couple of places here in the UK, but they're building a new facility in its Darlington plant. Yeah, the American-owned engine manufacturer's new £40 million powertrain test facility, as you say, at its Darlington plant, will help accelerate the move towards cleaner next-generation power and technologies. Ground preparation work is already underway, with operations expected to start in May next year. The facility will enable Cummins to develop and test a wider range of power technologies, including the latest universal engine platforms with variants able to operate on green hydrogen, natural gas, sustainable diesel. Installation and testing capability will also extend to hydrogen fuel cell and battery electric powertrains. And a bit of an insight, the Indiana headquarter firm produced 66,000 engines at the County Durham site last year, where it employs around one and a half thousand people so huge organization as you say joe yeah yeah i'm not sure people realize the size of their footprint just here in the uk colossal absolutely colossal um crown holdings are building a new factory in the uk aren't they yes um the pennsylvania headquarter packaging manufacturers announced plans to build a new beverage can manufacturing plant in the uk construction the peterborough plant will begin during the second quarter of this year with the first line expected to commence production during the second quarter of next year, additional lines are also planned in a phased manner to, to reach over 3 billion units of annual capacity. Finished 625,000 square foot facility, expected to employ around 280 people, will be crowned largest manufacturing facility for beverage cans in Europe. Okay, Stuart, let's take a brief pause on this week's Positive UK Manufacturing News and introduce this week's special guest who is Will Butler-Adams, CEO of Brompton, Britain's largest bicycle manufacturer. Will, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. 
Uh, just to start with, before we learn about the company, you know, we'd like to learn a little bit about you, if that's possible. So if we can talk about your career today and your current role and responsibilities, please. Yes, potted history. Um, I went to Newcastle Uni, did mechanical engineering and Spanish. Um, as part of that study, I worked for Nissan in Madrid. And then I also worked for Calsonic, a first tier supplier in Sunderland, uh, supplying the Nissan factory up there. Then I got onto a graduate trainee program with ICI, doing project management for a few years. Then had this incredible roller coaster ride where I joined a role still um, on Wilton's site in Middlesbrough, where I thought I would just be managing. Uh, four people in a tech team and then my boss resigned and they gave me the job and I had 35 people and a two million pound budget running a the maintenance of a chemical plant that if it blew up would take out a small part of the UK so it was very very exciting really challenging engineering um, but after nearly six years on on Wilton I thought it was time to do something different thought I was going to go and do an MBA and was busy studying to do that hoping to go to France and then in the midst of all of that, I randomly bumped into a chap called Tim Guinness, who was a friend of the inventor of the Brompton Andrew. Of course, I'd never heard of the Brompton when I was visiting London. And I suppose the rest was history. I met Andrew and um, decided to go for it because I didn't think my, my experience was that interesting. And I thought London was an exciting place. I thought I'd do it for a couple of years. And I'm 20 years on, I'm still here. Sounds good. So now if we move on to the company, if, give us an overview of Brompton for those that don't know it, please. Well, we make something that makes you a little bit happier. We make a, a bike that folds up. It's like the Swiss Army knife of the bicycle. And it's particularly useful if you are sort of engaging with cities where multimodal transport or space is at a premium. Either if you live in a city, which is where most of our customers come from, or if you visit a city you commute in or you commute out you go once in a while because it's a little bicycle that when it's folded it's no bigger than a briefcase and uh, and in a magical 10 seconds obviously you've got to practice a bit to get it to 10 seconds pump out pops a bicycle and you whiz about on it and from a consumer experience it's really simple and it's just awesome from a technical perspective to deliver that is really quite tricky because there are lots of complicated things like hinges and it gets folded and unfolded a lot and you want to make it very light, but it needs to be very strong. So it's it's not easy. Um, and that's what also makes it interesting as a job and a career. Absolutely. And uh, afternoon, Willie Stewart, thanks for joining us. And um, fascinating to hear about your, your background and, and, and Brompton. Um, Brompton recently launched the, the, the first British-made titanium folded bicycle. Great project. Could you please tell us more about this uh, um, this um, project? Yes. I mean, just to put it into context, when I joined Brompton, there were sort of 34, 35 of us, and it was proper knife and fork manufacturing, and we were basically making a bike. We weren't involved in much more than that. We're now about 850 of us and we're obviously involved in designing and making bikes but we're also involved in their distribution retail and a whole load of other stuff in between so um it's never boring but being a bike that you have to carry the bike industry is obsessed with weight but fun enough slightly 
um, bizarrely, really, because, of course, you might have an incredibly lightweight bike, but then you actually get on it. So the most efficient way to make your riding lighter is actually to sort of make yourself lighter rather than the bike. Um, but often people find it easier to spend more money and get a lighter bike than, than to sort out their own their own weight situation. But um, but obviously with a folding bike, we're not interested in the weight of the combined rider and bike. We're interested in the weight of the bike when it's folding, dangling off the end of your arm. So trying to make something that is light, a bit like I talked about earlier, is quite tricky, particularly in the context of the use. You know, the Brompton isn't some enthusiast product that they polish every weekend before they go out for their bike ride. It's used by people as a tool. It gets covered in mud, grime, dirt. It gets whacked, smacked. You're running for a train. You accidentally whack it. You're putting it out of the car. You're in a rush. The thing has to be really robust. And um, we started a journey 15 years ago, which was quite an adventure, um, developing some frame parts in Russia um, with a, a lovely company just outside Moscow. And they were making a titanium rear frame for us. And we learned a lot from that. And, and it's a whole other story, the journey of, of, of doing business in an old sort of Soviet um, military part of the Russian economy. Um, but to cut a long story short, we could only go so far with them because ultimately the more we did, the more we'd give away our IP. So we wanted to develop our own capability. And as we got bigger, we had the sort of depth to be able to take that on. Initially, we tried to buy what we thought was a British titanium frame maker, but it turned out they were actually just buying titanium frames from China and then sort of shot blasting them, sort of slightly pretending they made them in the UK. And luckily for us, we stumbled across Fletcher's, which is a family-owned fabrication business in Sheffield who make very big bits of titanium for the aerospace industry. And um, they were a, you know, get up and go bunch. And when I met them, I said, listen, any chance you can give up a little corner in your enormous factory and see if we can have a crack at making titanium frames. And that was about eight years ago. And uh, we set up a JV. We developed the team. We developed the knowledge. We developed the, the mechanism for training our staff. We then They then built a unit on their site for us as we needed more space. And uh, and over that journey, we took, set about designing our own titanium Brompton, if you like. And, and even though it is a Brompton, if you see it, it's called a T-line. It, it, everything about it is different because the material demands different technical design capability. Um, so it, it has been an incredible journey, but I've wanted one of these bikes. It's been in my mind for 15 years. I sort of imagined it and it's so cool to actually be making them. And it's it's gone from a vision, an idea, a wacky thought into absolute reality. It's so, so satisfying. I can well imagine an, an incredible achievement and uh, good that you're using uh, um, the likes of Fletcher's in Sheffield as well to, to work on the project. And, um, and moving on, um, obviously huge recent news that um, with your plans to build a new production facility in Global HQ in Kent, would you mind just giving us an overview of this, you know, the reasons for this investment, job creation, the advantages and so, so on and so forth? Yes. Um, 
just remember there were 33 of us when I joined. And when Andrew started, it was him and Patrick in a railway arch. So it's been a bit of a journey. But we've remained in London. In fact, we moved factories six years ago. And we could have moved outside of London then. And there are plenty of people tempting us to move our facilities, you know, in, in, in the sort of inverted commas industrial heartland. But we are an urban product. And a lot of the success that we have had is because of where we make the bike, which is in London. And we're not just making a bike. We've actually now got more people involved in the brand, the distribution, the communication, software engineers. We do all of our own content. We've got our own studio. We've got our own editing suite, marketing, planning, logistics. So people actually making the bike out of the 850 is about 350 to 400. The rest of the business is managing a global brand and the, the distribution and communication associated with that. So not just about making stuff, it's the whole bang shoot. And it's always been important to me that even if you're in finance, I want you in the factory so you really know what you stand for and, and that you're contributing to this product being put in the hands of a customer that can enjoy it for, for many, many years. And we did try six years ago to try to build our own factory because basically in the UK, well, factories don't exist. What we're in is is a logistics shed because that's what people build today, big grey logistics sheds. And um, having failed to secure any land to build our own factory six years ago, we, 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 we rented this bigger, big shed. And that's great. And we've got a good landlord as it happens, but we spent nearly five million pounds turning a universal distribution shed into a real factory for bike making, which involves much, much higher rated power, oxygen, acetylene, you know, all of the, 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 the um, supply of data and all this different infrastructure needed in the building and then of course when it's a distribution hub all you've got really is 15 or 20 people in a hundred thousand square foot shed shifting boxes well we've got 300 staff showers you know ping pong tables bar loads of other stuff and 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 of course we spend all that money and then we rent a building and then when we it gets too small for us we'll spend two million quid taking out all the stuff we put in it's like nuts it's not designed for us and since covid cost of sheds has gone through the roof and if we're not careful we're going to be priced out so we need to be proactive and we did look again across the UK as to where we might move our HQ but London has such a strong history and it's so important our staff are from all over the world they're very cosmopolitan they're very dynamic and that's helped us with our export which is now over 75 percent and we don't want to lose that and slightly to our surprise Ashford popped up and it's a really intriguing place because because of um, Eurostar and the, and the fast rail, it is within sort of 35 minutes from London. So a lot of our younger, dynamic, cosmopolitan talent can come out to the facility for two or three days a week and, and, and then work from home for the rest. And still we can still reach into that pool of talent. Um, one of our problems that we've always had living in and um, making in London has been 
when some of our staff who join us when they're younger get older and start having a family, it's very, very expensive to find a real home in London. And obviously Ashford has the advantage of you can come out two or three days a week uh, when we scoop you up when you're young. And if you do go on to have a family, you potentially can move out and there's fantastic, affordable, much more affordable living out in Ashford, great outdoor space with the downs. And we've got a really committed community there. Uh, We spent two years working with them um, from the entire community, uh, the council, the college, the universities are all behind this plan. And it will be our home for the next 30, 40, 50 years. And we've got enough space, 40 acres, we may never use it up. But we want to know that if we do need more space, we we don't need to move. We can just expand, expand, expand. So we've still got a lot to do to deliver that vision, a bit like delivering the titanium bike. But it is very exciting. No, absolutely. And uh, we look forward to following that uh, with interest. And hopefully you'll be uh, returning to the podcast, uh, um, you know, in the, in the near future to, to give us an update and just moving on to the, to the broader markets. Um, I mean, according to the Confederation of the European Bicycle Industry, um, the number of cyclists on Europe's roads has increased sharply since the start of the pandemic. How has this affected Brompton, you know, with regards to exports, production volumes, new markets, etc.? Well, we need to think a little bit and need to be a bit careful just about referring to bicycles because there are different types of bikes. And really, for the last 50 or 60 years, the bicycle in Europe and in the West has been a recreational tool. It's been a road bike, a mountain bike. People gave up on bicycles as a mode of transport in the 50s and 60s. Interestingly, Brompton is really, it's raison d'etre, is about changing how people live in cities. It's about bringing a bit of freedom and happiness to cities. We've bizarrely allowed ourselves to design cities around a square metal box called an automobile and well it hasn't made us very happy cities are where most of the world lives but then they're the most unhealthy places to live who could have come up with that that's not a good plan so there has been two changes since covid one change is no one has been able to travel so they've tended to have their recreation, their holidays at home. And in, that, in many cases, that meant people have bought bikes for recreation. And, you know, they're staying at home and they're going locally and they'll take some bikes with them and have some fun, which is great. Um, the other one is there is this realisation, this epiphany that's gone on in cities across the world, not just in Europe or the West, that the way we've designed our cities is flawed. And we need to rethink cities and design them around the people that live in them, not around an automobile, and make them the healthiest places and safest places to live and sort of cherish the architecture and the culture and the green spaces and the canals. And a bicycle allows you to do that. And that has resulted in a real wave of of political will to to change the cities, to, to introduce bike lanes, to introduce... Um, congestion charges um, and that is very good for our business and I think it's good for society as a whole and I'm pretty confident that over the next 15 to 20 years 
this really tragic experience we've been through will be a catalyst for changing cities. And of course, even beyond the sort of mental, physical, air quality challenges, we've got a climate emergency. So, you know, so our industry, which is addressing a bigger challenge, which is urban living, I think really is on a long-term macro positive trend. I think the mountain bike recreational bump that we've seen in sales, that may ebb away a bit as people go back to, you know, going abroad for their holidays. Yeah, no, it, it, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you, you've touched on, you know, the environment, sustainability. You know, how important is that to the Bompton? Uh, and what have you done and what are you doing to uh, reach your net zero aspirations? Well, I mean, ultimately, our mission isn't shareholder value. It isn't profit. Our mission is to change how people live in cities to bring this freedom and happiness. That's what happens when you arrive in a city with a little folding bike. It's just, you feel a little bit smug. It's fantastic. And I've whizzed across cities all over the world. So before we get into how we run our business, you know, we've heard about electric cars, which don't get me wrong, are a big improvement on a diesel internal combustion engine but you're still carrying a two-ton metal box around a city, which that two-ton metal box takes an enormous amount of energy and carbon to make. And then you put a little jelly-like 70-kilo human being inside, and you're carrying 2,070 kilos to carry 70 kilos. So that's a hugely inefficient way to move 70 kilos. Think of a bicycle. We make it a Brompton electric bike. It weighs... 17 kilos, not 2,000 kilos. So we can move a 70, 80, 90, 100 kilo human being with 17 kilos. It is monstrously more efficient. So the first thing we need to be doing is, you know, dealing with the flipping elephant in the room. And that is we need to get big square metal boxes to carry a little jelly-like person out of our cities. And the only reason people are in a big mess, big square metal boxes, because they're worried they might hit another one and then they'll be safe. But they're not thinking about all the pedestrians that aren't in big square metal boxes that, you know, if the mother lets go of a child's hand, might rush in front and then, you know, it's dangerous. So there has to be a complete rethink of how we live in our cities. But that doesn't take away from the fact that on top of that, we have a responsibility about how we operate, how we supply, how we design out waste, how we reduce packaging. And we are heavily engaged in that. We signed up to to um, net zero by 2030. And we signed up to that basically to tell everybody it's not possible. At the moment, you cannot do it. You might be able to do it if you're in a service industry that has got a few computers and you're moving numbers from one screen to another. But if you're making stuff with aluminium, steel, titanium, at the moment, it's complete pie in the sky. So governments, you know, need to really think hard about how we change the industrial landscape away from coal, you know, coal fired steel. We need to go to electrification of these heavy industries. And that's not going to happen in two or three years. That's going to take 10 or 15 years. But we need steel, green steel. And it's nowhere to be seen. Green aluminium. And there are some little pockets of experiments, but that needs to, to be really looked upon 
across Europe is a strategic imperative if we're going to stand a chance to deliver net zero. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's going to be a challenge for, me, for many people, let alone uh, us manufacturers. But mo moving on, uh, like Stuart's alluded to, it's an exciting period for Brompton. So what are your plans for this year and beyond? Well, to be honest, I mean, as a company, we have just had two years. It's like somebody lobbed us into a tumble dryer. And, you know, you, you spend ages coming up with all these brilliant budgets and this plan and you put your forecast together. And it's like, what? I mean, you just no way could we have got our head around what we've been through. And we're not out of the woods yet. We've still got tremendous challenges with supply chain and inflation and logistics and Brexit and a whole load of other things. So, I mean, in the perfect world, we wouldn't mind just having a bit of period to just catch breath because our team are just pretty much done in you know we've worked our socks off every plan we had didn't come to fruition we've had to think on our feet we've had to work long hours we've had to it's been just a period of permanent adrenaline rush and uh you know steady state just has not been there so you know there's we've launched our titanium bike the t-line we've launched our super light the p-line um we've you know gone through a period of significant growth um we sort of could do a year to just catch our breath, stabilize the business, bring back some efficiency because the last couple of years have really hit our gross margin um, for all sorts of obvious reasons, and and then and then and then collect everyone back together and then take the take the next steps. Wonderful, exciting times, and I can't wait to learn more. Like Stuart says, hopefully you'll join us again on the podcast. Absolutely for sure. Thank you so much, guys, for inviting me. You're more than welcome. Well, hopefully we'll have you on soon. But yeah, really do appreciate your time, Will. Stuart, fantastic interview and what a business. No, absolutely. Uh, so pioneering. Great that it's British and uh, by the sound of it, there's going to be hundreds of new jobs created in the next couple of years. So uh, I'm sure we'll be following their progress with, with interest on the podcast. Yeah, exciting times ahead indeed. Um, as like we always say at this stage, we, we don't get time to cover all the news on the podcast. So please go and search for us on social media. We don't take much finding. Go to mtdmfg.com for the latest uh, news from the UK manufacturing sector. And if you want to join us on the podcast, uh, drop an email, podcast at mtdmfg.com. But Stuart, if we get back on with some of the news, Axo Noble has opened a new facility in the UK. And it's quite a big one. It certainly is. The Dutch own paint and coatings manufacturer, best known for its Dulux, Cuprinol and Homerite brands, is opening a new £10 million global research and development centre at Slough Science in the UK, um, adding to a growing list really of similar facilities located in countries around the world. The facility, um, home to 120 specialists, will act as a major hub within the company's worldwide R&D network and help to further advance the firm's innovation capabilities, especially in the area of decorative plants. And this News facility follows on from the 2019 UK launch of Axo Noble's R&D Innovation Campus in, in Felling. So great to see all, all this inward investment this week. Yeah, and another what new facility, lots of them, uh, a seal this week. They've uh, got a new one in South Yorkshire. Yeah, construction is already underway on the mechanical seal manufacturers thatch for the future and mill close in a project bringing the company's total investment in Rotherham to just over £61 million. A total of 175,000 square foot of new factory buildings are being constructed with highest environmental standards. And the existing plant is also will also benefit from um, an update and a refurbishment as part of the scheme. 
project spending includes almost six million pound of green only investments such as solar panels battery storage and other energy saving or environmental measures commenting on news chris ray md a parent group aes engineering so the the investment will allow the company to expand and can potentially unlock an additional 20 million pound of investment in the rotherham area over the next five to ten years so hopefully that that will uh, come to fruition yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Um, and this last story this week, it's, we, we touch on it now and again, space, but a new space park is officially opened in Leicester. Yes, uh, British astronaut Tim Peake has formally opened the new £100 million space park in Leicester. The European Space Agency astronaut and former International Space Station crew member was guest of honour at a ceremony at the Space Research Innovation and Teaching Cluster. The space park, which is Hoped will boost the regional economy by three quarters of a billion pound a year and create two and a half thousand jobs. Has already welcomed a string of high-profile companies. Um, I believe that these involved include Rolls-Royce, Airbus, Ersense, Hewlett-Packard, and also the government-backed satellite applications catapult. Yep. Fantastic one, isn't it? So we do touch on space from time to time, but it's great to see that finally open. But as I say, that's all we've got time for this week, Stuart. Um, for people listening at home who want to find out more Positive UK manufacturing news, please do go to mtdmfg.com. Uh, follow Jefferson and MTD on uh, Twitter. We're not hard to find. A big thank you to uh, Will Butler-Adams, the CEO of Brompton. Stuart, thank you as always, but the biggest thank you of all goes to you at home for listening. We'll see you next week. and leave a rating and a review. You can find us on Twitter using at MTDMFG and at Jefferson underscore MFG.